Good morning. Welcome to this rainy Sunday. I'm glad it rained today and not yesterday. Um, If you were here yesterday, uh, if you weren't here yesterday, you missed out on just an incredible time uh, in this building and out here, the Jesus Love Feast. Um, Great job. Uh, You guys just, it was was just so awesome to just watch um, just all of you just surf and love on a bunch of people. You had no clue who they were. You had no clue where they came from. You had no clue their story. Um, but none of that really matters. Um, and so uh, it was just, it was fun. It was fun to be a part and serve alongside you guys and, uh, and do that. And so, uh, well done. I want to give you a little bit of direction. Um, we're still in our series. We have today and then next week uh, in our series on obedience. Um, We've covered several people in the Old Testament, and today we're going to cover Gideon. Next week we're going to cover Hosea. We're going to have a couple of weeks where we do something a little bit different, and then we're going to um, begin a series in Galatians. Um, and so uh, Rick and I are working through that and excited about what uh, the direction the Lord has for us to begin walking through Galatians. Um, but I just want to challenge you before I get into today. Um, man, I just, I hear and I see God doing things in our midst. Um, God's doing things in me. God's doing things in you. And today's another, just another part of that. Just another day. Every day is a part of that. But today's just another day um, that I challenge you to just tune in to what God is doing. Um, I've heard from several of you about these messages on obedience are really hard. And they really just hit at the core of of where we're at. Um, And today's, in, 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 in the same way, it's, it, there's going to be aspects of it that are really hard and that are really going to explore. We're going to talk about fear and how you handle fear in the midst of walking in obedience to the Lord. Um, and we're going to look at the story of Gideon. And so I just want to, just want to say today's another day to do that. Um, so I want to pray and then, uh, then we'll get into that. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for the opportunity that we have today to to come into this place and and worship you and know you and live for you. And God, I thank you that that we can be here and and hear from from you in your word. God, God, we're tired. It's rainy and it's going to be hard to engage and stay engaged. And so God, I pray that by your spirit you would teach us that you would grab hold of our hearts, God, that we wouldn't miss what you're doing today, here, right now, that we wouldn't think about what's coming next, what's coming later, but God, that we just focus in on you. God, for those that are in this place that are burdened, that are grieving, grieving loss, um, that are worried, that that are in fear, I pray that you would speak to them. Um, God, lead this time. God, I surrender to you and beg that you would uh, speak through me now. In Christ's name, amen. When I was in college, I had a buddy named Dave come to me. And he's like, I got this vision. Um, I want to train and equip college students um, to walk with Jesus and in the end, go and spend two weeks in India. I talked about India a little bit before. You guys know I've been there um, in, in 2003. 
And he's like, so here's the vision. I want to take about 10 students from Southwest Baptist University and 10 students. He, He went to Southwest Baptist University and 10 students from Hannibal Grange, which is where I went. And I want you to train the HLG folks, and I want, he wanted to train the SBU folks, and then we're going to bring them together, and we're going to train them all on what it means to walk with Jesus, and then we're going to, we're going to let them go live it out for two weeks in India. Because I'm like, that sounds interesting. Um, what part did you want me to play again? Uh, you know, it was like, repeat that. Yeah, I'll, I'll pray about it. You know how you do that whole deal? Like, of course, well, you always pray about it. You never like, have the boldness to just say no right there, even though you're like, are you kidding me? Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pray about it. That sounds like a pretty big deal. Um, so I began praying through it and, and thinking through it and just talking to folks about, hey, you know, this is happening. Would you be interested in going to India? Um, and there was one spring afternoon, I remember it like it was the other day, a bunch of people from Southwest Baptist University were coming to HLG. And I was going to get to sit with them and, and talk about what this trip might look like. I began casting vision for this trip. And I'll just be honest, I didn't want to go. I did not want to do it. Um, I was like, there's no way. This is not me. Uh, this is so much bigger than me. And that equated to, this is not, not me. Um, and so conveniently, I had a baseball game played baseball at HLG. We had a double header that day, and I was pretty excited about that. I mean, it was very convenient um, for that double header to happen that day. And so I wake up in the morning, and they still came, and they were still meeting in one of the buildings on campus. And uh, I was putting on my uniform, and the team met for breakfast before the, before the game, and then we'd go, and we'd take BP and do, do all that. And um, so we go to the cafeteria, and I notice it's a little cloudy. I was like, oh, that's... Um, interesting. So um, we eat breakfast, and we go uh, to start getting the field ready, and all the while I'm just like, this is so great, I don't have to go to that meeting, and it just starts pouring. I mean, literally pouring, and I'm just like, there's no way. You've got to be kidding me. There is no way. Obviously, the games were canceled. Now, pretty much, I have to go. And I'm sitting in the car with my amazing wife now, was my girlfriend then. And I'm just broken. I'm paralyzed. I did not want to go. And to the point of just tears, just afraid. God, seriously? There's no way. And my amazing wife just starts laying out for me the story of Gideon. And just starts, here's this guy who was so fearful, so afraid. And just, that God came to him and he's like, you're a mighty warrior. This is what I've called you to. You can do this. And just as amazing as everyone knows Danielle to be able to put courage within people. She did that day, and I, mean, I was still pretty fearful, but I was like, okay, um, I'll at least go. Um, but what was happening in that moment that I, that I want us to, we're going to look at the story of Gideon, but, but, I, but I want us to see as kind of the, the main reality for me that day and, and for really any aspect of, of fear and, and, and obedience and how they conflict is that fear 
will, this is the main point of all, what I want you to hear today. Fear will paralyze your obedience, leaving you questioning God's goodness. So in that moment, I'm afraid. I'm like, God, this doesn't make sense. Um, I could come up with a million excuses as to why I shouldn't be qualified to do this. And so in fear, I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. And so it, it paralyzed me in walking in obedience, at least at that time. And it left me questioning, God, you're not good. Okay, and so that, that's what we're going to look at. I want you to turn to Judges. If you need a Bible, there's one on the back table. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges is where we're at. Judges chapter 6. And I want to give you a little bit of background before we just jump right into to the story of Gideon. So in the Bible, there's, uh, especially in the, in the Old Testament, you see this, this cycle that continually appears with God's people. And here's how the cycle goes. God gives his people instruction. He gives them command, and he, he says, here's what I want you to do. And what they do is they, they disobey. And they disobey, and so God then punishes them. After a time of punishment, they repent. They turn back to the Lord. They walk with the Lord for a time, and then... God gives them command, they disobey. God punishes them. They return to the Lord, they walk with the Lord for a time, they disobey. God pun- I mean, it's this cyclical deal that's going on throughout all of the Old Testament. And here in Judges chapter 6, you see the very beginning of the cycle start. The people of Israel did what was evil in the, si- in the eyes of the Lord. And what happens? It says God gave them into the hands of the Midianites to oppress them for seven years. Okay, so here you have this region here, this people, namely the people that, that surrounded the area where Gideon lived, okay, that were under seven years of oppression from this people group called the Midianites, okay? And so what God was going to do is he was going to take this, this guy named Gideon and he was going to raise him up within his own community to go and begin to push back this, this evil, this oppression. Okay, let's, uh, sorry, I didn't want to kick that anymore. Um, let's begin to look at this. Before we do that, let me tell you how I want to attack this today. You're going to see, and if you're familiar with the story of Gideon, you're going to see that Gideon's life is full of fear. Now, what we do, we, when you think of Gideon, what do you think of? The fleece, right? I mean, that's, that's automatically the story that goes with Gideon. Like, Gideon's the guy who put the fleece out and is like, God, make the fleece dry, the ground wet. God, make the ground dry, the fleece wet. You know, and we're like, was that faith or not? We kind of wrestle with that, but we think of the fleece. But let me just tell you, that was a moment of fear and unbelief, but that was one of many instances in Gideon's life where he was afraid. That's just the one we, we highlight, and we, we often, like, you know, try to use that in our decision-making. Um... I want to break this down to two things, the call and the act. In Judges chapter 6, you have the call, where God's calling Gideon, I want you to go and I want you to battle the Midianites. So he's calling him, and and all throughout chapter 6, Gideon's wrestling with God as to whether or not he should actually go and do this. And then in chapter 7, you have the act, or the response to obedience, where Gideon now is responding, and it's the battle, and it's a pretty cool battle that we'll, we won't have a ton of time to look at, but we will look at. Okay, now, these two, they, they at times happen simultaneously. Okay, 
Take, for example, my instance in India, or, or my God calling me to lead this team to India. Okay? What happened was, I began to process through, okay, God, is this, is this what you're calling me to? And I began to pray through, what does obedience look like? Is this what you have for me? Okay, I was discerning and through God's call. And then the response ultimately came to, yes, this is what, what he has for me. Now, we do this on a regular basis. Um, moments come into our lives. The Spirit, if you were a child of God, the Spirit is within you, leading you, guiding you, prompting you. Um, and so when there's a moment of temptation, a moment of lo- to lust, God's Spirit's prompting you, here's what obedience looks like, and you're, you're processing through, okay, um, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? Here's the call to forsake and to run to the Lord. The response is either you're going to obey the temptation or you're going to obey the Lord. You always obey something, one or the other, okay? Look, uh, look with me at chapter 6. Let's see how this works itself out with Gideon. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord sat under the terebinth, which is a, a tree, in Ophrah, which belongs to Joash, the Abiah's right, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, this angel comes to Gideon. Gideon, you gotta, you got to know that for seven years there's been unbelievable wickedness and oppression happening in this community, okay? Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Those don't go together, okay? You make wine in a wine press, you thresh wheat in a threshing floor. You don't mix the two, okay? This is the very beginning where we see Gideon walking in fear. He's afraid of the Midianites, okay? Now, granted, they've been attacking for seven years, Okay, but we see this pattern throughout all of his life. He's hiding out because he's so afraid. Okay, and then what happens is, is God reminds him of something. I, I think this is very true of you and I. Very true of you and I. Um, that in the midst of, okay, so God's calling Gideon here. This is the call to obedience. God's calling Gideon. And in the midst of that call, here's what we do. We forget who we are in Christ. You see that? That's what Gideon, Gideon, because of all this evil, because of all this oppression, because of all this wickedness, Gideon was to the place where he was, he had forgotten who he was. And, and so God sends this angel and he says, you're a mighty warrior. What are you doing hiding out? What are you doing on your heels, scared to death? You're a, a, a warrior. You are mine. We do that all the time. We forget who we are. And God brings people to us and he reminds us, here's here's who you are. Because fear and faith battle each other. The opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of faith is fear. So when we are living in fear, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you are good. I don't trust that you know what you're doing. I don't trust that you fully realize who I am, which we'll we'll get to here in a second. But what's interesting is, is trust really helps us to see that God accepts us, but also enables us to accept that acceptance. Because that's really what trust is, the courage to accept acceptance. And, And God says to Gideon, 
This is who you are. But listen, I don't think that faith just means you don't have fear. Like, I'm not going to immediately say that you don't have fear. Here's what faith is. It's knowing what to do with your fear. It's having a proper perspective of your fear that it's not just like, I'm not afraid. I guarantee you. I mean, you look throughout all the Old Testament, you look through all the stories that we've talked through on, about a, this series of, of obedience, and what do you have? You have, you have guys and girls that are they're afraid. But their trust in the Lord supersedes that, that fear and enables them to push forward in the Lord. And that's where Gideon was. So back to college days. Um, there were a bunch of guys in my life, um, some of them in this room, that were really good at uh, just speaking truth. So we had, a, we had a group of guys that got together on a regular basis and we were studying through a book um, that was about being a man or something like that. And so we'd get together and we'd, uh, you know, like give each other rug burns on the knees and on the face while we wrestled and watched people bleed. And, and then we'd spend intentional time about speaking truth into each other's lives and challenging each other on what it means to walk with the Lord. And my roommate, Cody, was so good at this. Just somebody that was so good at graciously speaking truth um, that you just like melted before him and was like, yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, I remember times of just confessing sin to him that he would literally look at me and say, Dave, that's not who you are. That's not who you are living and acting in a way that is contrary to who you are in Christ. And, and that's, that's what this angel was doing with Gideon. But then what happened here is Gideon began to believe some lies. He was already believing lies, but he does something here that we often do. Look at verse 13. And Gideon said to him, so Gideon's talking with an angel. It's got to be a pretty exciting day to tell about. Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of of Midian. So, so Gideon, and much like we do, we begin to believe the lies of the enemy. That's what Gideon's doing. He's believing the lies of the enemy. And here's, here's the way the lie goes. Hard times, pain in your life, suffering in your life is equal to God's abandonment. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Okay, so in this moment, he's like, okay, you brought these people out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and now all this has happened to us. Why have you abandoned us? Okay, that's a false perception. Okay, let me illustrate this way. I am never more for my daughter than when I pursue her in discipline. It's the times when I'm against her that I back off and I let her walk in her wickedness. But I'm never more for, it's, it's, it's what Hebrews says when it says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so this seven-year oppression is God's loving pursuit of his people. And so in this moment, Gideon's believing this lie that the enemy's feeding, that pain is equivalent to God's abandoned you. God's gone, but he's not. He's not gone. Listen, if, if obedience 
was always this easy thing. Think about it. If obedience was just this thing I could just do without really thinking about it, and it was just easy, would I need God? All I would need him to do is tell me what to do. And then I'm like, I'm good to go. Thanks for the command. I'll just walk it out. God's like, no, that's not the point. The point is that, that you engage me, that I engage you in the call to obey. Look at verse 14. I hope you see yourself in this passage. Uh, or it's just me, and that's all right. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. Here's what we do. It's the same thing Gideon did. As we remind God of our inability. Okay, Gideon's like, um, Okay, God, you're calling me to go do this. You forgot a couple things that I need to remind you of. That all these people, when they look at us, and when they look at my group of people, when they look at my town, when they look at my people that I hang out with, we're nobodies. We're the weakest in all the land. We're the outcasts in all the land. And then on top of that, God, I'm the weakest in my family. I'm the youngest. And then in that moment, God's like, Gideon? No, Jillian? You're, you're not, you're Gideon, Jillian. Oh, I was, thinking, I was thinking you were Jillian. I meant to talk to Jillian. Gideon, you're, my bet. No. Okay. It's as if Gideon could, could go to God and say, God, you missed something. And God's like, oh yeah, sorry, I messed that up. No. God's like, yeah, that's the point. Well, We'll talk about that more in a second. But God's like, that's the point. You're not capable. And he begins to say, I'll be with you. But, but here's, here's what we do. It's the same thing Gideon did. Excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. He's saying, God, here's why I can't do this. Here's why I can't obey you. Here's why I can't obey you. This happens all the time. Let me give you several examples. Maybe one of these will hit home. Let's start with the simple one of lust, sexual immorality. We begin to say, God, you created me to desire this. You created me to desire sex. So I should do this, right? I have this right. Okay, and so, that, so then we've, I'm lonely. And we begin to throw out all these excuses, and that begins to feed us. And we, we give excuses as to why we can't walk in obedience in that. Deception, dishonesty. Here's what we do. We say, I don't want them to really know who I am. So, so we put on a front. We be a little dishonest. We be a little deceptive. We don't tell the, the whole truth. I don't know if you've realized this, but you watch people. We're all really good at making ourselves look good. We all are. So when you talk to people, you know, we talk up things and we explain things in such a way that help us look a little bit better than we are because we really don't want people to know who we really are. It's hypocrisy. It's deception. It's excuses. Maybe how we spend our money. 
God, money's tight. I, I just can't give to you. I can't, I can't tithe. I can't give sacrificially because money's tight. And God's like, you know why money's tight? It's because you're materialistic and you're spending all your money on yourself. And so, yeah, that's money's tight. And so that's your excuse as to why you can't give to me. This, this is how we, how we do this. Self-image. We, we, we run to this labeled pursuit of being healthy with the purpose of, I want to look good. And we banner it with what our culture's running to of being green and being healthy and stop eating like artificial flavorings and, you know, trans fats. And that's what I'm running to because in the name of being healthy and I'm honoring God when all the while it's, I want to look good. I'm not saying don't try to look good. I'm not saying don't work out and what I'm saying is, it can be an idol. And it becomes not so much, I want to be healthy and honor the Lord with my body, as much as it's like, I want to look good when I look in the mirror, and I want to be happy with myself. That's a God. And those are excuses that we give. God call, well, Here's another one. God calls us to lead, and we're like, God, I can't do that. I'm too young. I'm too incapable. I've never done that before. That's what Gideon was doing. Maybe it's, let me give a couple more. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with somebody. And God's like, you need to share the gospel with the lost. And you say, but God, I don't really know what to say. Here's when that argument might be halfway okay, is if what you're doing in that moment is you're actually trying to, to learn what to say. But the problem is half the time we're like, I don't really know what to say, so I'm not going to engage in the conversation. All the while, we're not really actively seeking out what we should be saying and learning the gospel. And so it's not really a valid reason because if it was really how we felt, we'd be seeking a, a resolution to the problem. But really, we're the problem. Because it, while it might be true, you're not really, you don't really know what to say, but you're not doing anything about it. I'm not doing anything about it. Do, do, you, do you see the excuse? Maybe for you today, it's believing the gospel. Whether it's for the first time or whether it's just a continual thing where all this time you're caught up in I'm just a mess. God can't love me. Or if I surrender to Jesus with my life, man, he might ask me to do something hard. I might have to sacrifice something. That's a, a misunderstanding of what we call sacrifice. Is it really giving something up? Well, if it's going to end you up in hell, you weigh it out. But our problem here is that our inability, our incapability, the fact that we just, we like to argue, like, I just suck. I just suck at life. But here, here's the problem. The truth is that we all do. Sorry if that's offensive, but that's the gospel. But we stay there. That never propels us to realize, hey, guess what? God doesn't suck. Do, do you see that? So we can just bury ourselves, bury our heads in the sand about our idiotic, idiosyncrasies, but it never propels us to the greatness and grandeur of God that has a solution to that problem. We don't have time to go there, but read Romans 2. 
on that note. Read Romans 2. But what's amazing about this is this is exactly what God wanted to do. This is exactly what God wanted Gideon to see. Because if you look in verse 16, he said this, but I will be with you. He's like, I know you can't do it. I know you can't do it. It's obvious. I love this passage, this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Talking about this, this treasure that we have. It says, we have this treasure, namely relationship with God, existence on earth. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So why, is, why are our bodies frail? Why, why do I think I have poison ivy all over me and it's driving me nuts and I'm about to rip off my skin? Like, why, why, is, why do people die? Why is there all these things in life that's continually coming at us? It's for this. To show us what? That the power belongs to God and not to us. That we're weak, that we're frail. And so the moment we get really competent and we really begin to think we know what's going on, God's like, hold up, hold up. You really don't. And then here's what's interesting. So the next section, God ha- Gideon has this amazing encounter with this angel. Okay, you're right. But, God, here's what I need you to do. Um, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something for you. So he really, literally tells the angel, stay here. I'm just paraphrasing what, what we don't have time to look at. Stay here. I'm going to go get. So he goes and he gets some animals and he makes this sacrifice and he has this amazing encounter. So he begins to doubt and he's like, you know, God, show me again. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not sure if you're really here. God, show me again. So he has this amazing encounter and it goes into verse 22 and he's like, I've seen the Lord. He has this like Isaiah moment where like, God is real. This is really what God called me to. Okay. And then God tells him now. We're going to start this deal by you going and destroying this altar of Baal. Here's, he tells him where this altar is. He's like, I want you to go destroy it. And it literally says, because he was afraid, he went at night. What? Okay, okay so it's just like, I don't, I don't know if this guy is like forgetful or uh, has Alzheimer's or what's going on here. But um, like God's continually showing himself and he's continually like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then like, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, now, part two. So that's the call. That's Gideon wrestling and how we wrestle with what obedience looks like. Now Gideon's going to actually go and begin to walk these things out, or at least God's going to call him to that. Um, So the act of obedience, how we respond to this call. Look at verse 33. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon and he he sounded the trumpet. And the Abiazrites were called out to follow him. I'm going to stop there. Okay, so here's our tendency. Our tendency is to forget who we are in Christ. Here's what the Lord just did for Gideon. He reminded him of his acceptance. Why do I say that? It says he clothed Gideon. He he took his spirit and he literally clothed him. Um, I said this definition before. You probably didn't pick up up on it, but one theologian put it like this. Trust is the courage to accept acceptance. Think about that. Trust is the courage to accept acceptance. 
what that means is, okay, I'm absolutely accepted in the Lord. His Spirit dwells within me. And whether or not I walk in obedience has everything to do with whether or not I accept that or not. And God reminds Gideon, I'm going to clothe you with my Spirit. So clothing, we identify people by clothing. So I might be talking to Jared over here, and I might say, Jeff's the guy in the yellow shirt over there. Okay, so we're, we're identifying Jeff by being in a yellow shirt. It says that he, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. So God's Spirit comes over Gideon. And in this moment, he's risen up to rally this massive army to go and take out the Midianites. But here's what's hilarious. The very next moment, here's what happens. The fleece. The infamous fleece. Look at verse 36. Gideon said to God, uh, If you will save Israel by my hand, uh, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece on the uh, fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Okay, so it's like if the fleece is wet and the ground's dry, then you're really telling me the truth. Then, what's interesting is he goes, Okay, God. Don't be mad at me, but this time make the fleece dry and the ground wet. <laughs> really? Like, I can't believe God just didn't just destroy him in that moment. So, and he just did it. The times when, when we have a tendency to believe the lies of the enemy, the Lord's patient with our doubts. That's what's happening here. Gideon's doubting. He's a man full of fear, full of doubts. And God's patient with him. Why is he still wanting to use this? Maybe he should have been like, crud, I didn't realize how bad you were. But here's what it comes helps us realize. That obedience, the antidote to fear, what paralyzes our ability to obey is the Spirit. Is Spirit filling. Okay? So the way I combat fear is I get more Jesus in me, so to speak. I, I engage God. Here's the way um, Brendan Manning put it. Perseverance in the lifelong quest for greater intimacy with Jesus, no matter how often we stumble and fall, is not only the antidote to hopelessness and despair, it is the sure path to divine certitude that overcomes all doubts, anxieties, and worries. You need to get with Jesus if you're afraid. Study the lives of the disciples. They were afraid, ordinary folks that hung out with Jesus and it changed the way they lived their lives. We tend to doubt God's goodness and we doubt that He's faithful when Psalm 45 verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Look at chapter 7 verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod, and the camp of Midian was north of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, 
my own hand has saved me. Okay, so here's what God just said to Gideon. Gideon, great work gathering the army. Here's the only problem. We've got to do a couple things before we can attack. Your army's too big. We've got we to, gotta, you know, tone it down a little bit. You've got way too many guys for me to be able to, you know, help you win this battle. What? Okay, so, so God's like, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your 32,000 folks and I want you to say, who's afraid? Raise your hand. So he's like, you know, who's afraid? 22,000 people? Raise their hand. Like, you guys are dismissed. See ya. Have a good day. You can go. It's down to 10,000. Then, what happens? He comes and he says, okay, 10,000? We got to do a little more work here. Um, go to this pond over here, this lake, this body of water. Go down and bring all 10,000 of your people. And here's what I want. I want you to have them drink out of the water. Drink the water. The ones that uh, get down on their knees and drink it like a dog are the ones that, yeah, they're not soldiers. The ones that like, you know, take a drink but still are kind of aware of what's going on, those are your, those are your soldiers. 300 men later, they're ready for battle. So he decreased his army from 32,000 to 300, and God's like, okay, we're ready to go. Here's the point. The times when we want to remind God of our inability, as we saw earlier, here's what God says. You're exactly right. And he reminds us of his ability. You are exactly right. You are not capable. You are not able to do this. Why in the world would God decrease his army down to 300? Because here's what happens. The moment those 300 destroy the Midianites, can they go then say, look at us. Look at all that we did. Not hardly. Not hardly. But here's, here's the interesting thing. And I, I, ch- I encourage you to read Judges 6, 7, and 8 this week. But the interesting thing is this. They go into battle. I'm just going to paraphrase this. They go into battle. Literally, here are their weapons. Trumpets, torches, and glass jars. 300 men. They divide them up. 100 here, 100 here, 100 here. You take this side, you take this side, you take this side. Here's your weapons. Blow the trumpets. They blow the trumpets. They smash the jars and they run with torches. And literally, if you look in verse 12, it says that the Midianite army was thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Their camels numbered more than the sand on the seas. And they smashed their jars and they blew their trumpets and they ran at this Tons and tons of, of guys. And literally, the Midianite army got terrified and they turned on each other and started killing each other. Now, I guarantee you, in that moment, Gideon's like, Okay, guys, we won the battle. Don't tell anybody how we did it. Make sure this doesn't get printed. This is not something we put in the battle plan book for future battles. And God's like, that's the point. 
The point is for you to realize you are not able. Your ability to walk with Jesus is this. Christianity isn't difficult. It's impossible. They named one guy after it. His name's Jesus. That's what God's doing with Gideon. He's reminding him, I am able. I am able. Now, Gideon's life goes bad. He destroys them. His life goes bad. Uh, Initially, he's like, they wanted Gideon to be the king. And he's like, I'm not going to be the king. God's the king. And so, what happens after that is they begin to just give Gideon all this gold and all these prized possessions. And Gideon makes basically this shrine. And the Bible says that it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And then he died. Now here's, here's the striking thing, and then I'll draw some application. The striking thing is this. Gideon is listed in Hebrews 11 as a mighty man of God for what happened. Now, let me just be honest with you this morning. I don't fully know what to do with that. Because I'm going to say today, I don't think Gideon's life was full of obedience. He has this unbelievable time when God used him to defeat the Midianites. But here's the situation. It's full of fear. It's full of God, I can't do this. God, I don't trust you. It's not necessarily full of a life that we should model. But here's where the difference comes in. Is God is able to accomplish his purpose in spite of us. So Gideon is in Hebrews 11, I believe, because of who God is, not because of his greatness. And if you study the rest of the the folks in Hebrews 11, as we've been studying some of them, Noah and Abraham, Moses, David, they're all in there, not because of who they are, but because of who God is. I want you to see this from 1 Corinthians 1. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 1. It says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Gideon's life was full of immaturity. Moments of great belief, moments of great unbelief, over and over and over again, very similar to our lives. Okay? But here's the challenge. How do we not forget God? How do we not be paralyzed by our fear and forget God is good? 
Here's what I think it is. You need to be honest about your fears. What are you afraid of? Listen, every one of you, you have fears. I don't care how presentable you are. I don't care how competent you make yourself appear. You have fears. You need to be honest before the Lord about them. And you need to be honest before one another about them. And listen, never stop reminding yourself and letting other people remind you of God's goodness. I go back to the story of Gideon all the time. I go back to that that moment in the parking lot when it's pouring down rain. And my incredible wife told me about the story of Gideon and God's ability and my inability to do what God's calling me to do. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. God, your faithfulness is unbelievable. Your love for us is shown through the way you discipline us, through the way you pursue us, through the way you want to run hard after us. And yet, God, we are a people of unbelief. We are a people full of fear. God, I pray that today might be a monumental day. God is is that day back in 2003 was a monumental day in my life, sitting in the parking lot at HLG, pouring down rain. God, I pray that today would be a day when we give up some of our fears and we run to you. I pray that today would be a day when we see your ability and our inability to do this thing called walking with you. And God, that would lead us to greater intimacy in this community. It would lead us to speak truth into each other's lives. To call out fears in each other's lives that we see. And God, we beg that you do a work in our midst as we respond. In Christ's name, amen.